What's up, principals? And welcome to the Principal Crew Podcast. My name is Adam. Welcome. I'm a principal. I'm your host. And this is the podcast that is all about principals all of the time because that is what we do. And today on the show, I'm pumped. I've been trying to get this guy on for a while. He was on vacation, you know, schedules and calendars and family. Life is busy. But today is kind of like one of the originals from my professional learning network. I've known this guy for years and years. We've actually presented together years and years ago. I kind of forgot about that. And then I was, I was prepping. We just kind of reminded somebody that I will just randomly text. He'll randomly text me. We'll just kind of, just kind of keep our finger on each other because um, he's an awesome principal and awesome guy. Todd Feinberg, welcome to the podcast, bro. Thank you, Adam. Uh, Hearing you talk about our 10 years and how long it just makes me feel so old, uh, so old, but uh, it has been a ride and it's been a great ride. It's great to be here. Thanks for having me. Yeah, you bet. I think we initially uh, obviously connected via Twitter and then probably hung out at a, a Q event, which is uh, Q is the ISTE affiliate in California. And then we presented together and uh, yeah, we've just kind of kind of kept kind of kept in touch that way. And you are a middle school principal. Um, but for the people that don't know who you are, just tell us who you are, tell us what you do, just kind of give us the lowdown. Sure, absolutely. Um, well, as we said, my name's Todd. Uh, I'm a principal of Union Middle School. I've been here, uh, goodness, 11 years, uh, nine as a principal. Uh, I was assistant principal for two years with Eric Burmeister, who uh, after a little bit, he was a nationally recognized principal, uh, amazing man. And he's now the superintendent of Menlo Park Schools. And he really uh, started to rebuild the school. Um, it went through a state of transition with some test scores that were dropping, some culture concerns. And he revamped the school and I, uh, you know, he handed off to me. And uh, we worked together with a two-year overlap and then took the ball and kept running. And uh, it's been great. Uh, I, I, I love being here. Uh, I, I, I was telling Adam beforehand, uh, I get my district gives me 214 days of work. That's my calendar days. And I tell everyone I get 214 days of vacation because coming to work is, uh, it's glorious. I love being here every day. Yeah, so dude, nine years as the principal, 11 on the admin team, that to me, that that's longer than most people stay at a job, which is um, a, a principal job, which is unfortunate. I mean, a lot of people, three, four, five. Yeah, you definitely get those people that are 10, 15, 20 years. What is your maybe not secret, but what's your formula for still after 11 years, enjoying the work, feeling challenged in the work, feeling balanced in the work? Uh, what would you have to kind of say to any and all of that? That's a really good question, Adam. Um, I, I've I actually wrote a blog article, uh, I think after my fifth year, and it was uh, my goodbye letter uh, to the school community because I felt I had accomplished everything that I had set out to accomplish that my, my team had set out to accomplish. And so I have this, I, I've never posted it because I've never needed to. I probably have to update a little bit, but uh, the challenge of how to you know, find purpose in your day when you feel things are going really well and you've made those changes, that's a great question. That's something I ask myself every year actually around this time as postings start popping up. Um, and I look at all the other postings and I just realize that would I be happier? Would I have the same staff? I, I'm, I'm, it's just hard to, to make that jump. The grass isn't always greener. I think that staying in a job 
that commitment you show and that relationships that you're able to build over that time, it's invaluable. I can share with my staff, you know, two weeks ago, almost to the day I said to staff meeting, you know, we right now we are hybrid two days a week, like 840 to 1120 for the kids, like 12 kids. So half and half, a third in person, two thirds online. And then on Thursday, Friday, the other third comes in with two thirds online. So there's two thirds of the kids coming back to school um, at any one time, but they're separated in two groups. I said, guys, I'm just, I'm just thinking, teachers, I think we're gonna need to combine our ADs soon. I think we need to give kids more time. I'm getting the sense. And the teacher's like, where's this come from? I'm like, no, it's just, just a gut feeling. Teachers were fine with it. They listened, they heard, they started to digest. The next day our high school switched to four full days. Um, our elementaries are switching to five days of eight to 12. And my staff was able to have that conversation with me ahead of time to where that, that news didn't freak them out because they knew what was coming. And that's the benefit of staying in one place. It's, it's that trust you build with the staff and the parents trust, the kid trust. It's, uh, I, I would recommend, it's one of sort of my five things for anyone who becomes a principal is just to stay. Try your best to find a home and, and stay there. Yeah, I would definitely say I've made some mistakes in my leadership uh, career, as we all have. But one of the biggest mistakes was leading, leaving the first school where I was a principal. It was actually the school where I went to an, as an elementary school student. And I feel like I was there three years and I felt it was like 10 years because like we just built culture and I hired a ton of people and we rolled out new programs and it was just fun. And I kind of got the itch to go like, I want to go do this again somewhere else. And I did. And it was not the same. The grass is not greener. It's just different grass. It may not even be grass <laughs> the other place. And that's um, if I if I had a regret, that's it. There is something to be said for just having a place where you have those relationships and that trust. And uh, you know, I, my goal is to, is to get back to that place because it's a good place to be, it, uh, it really is. What advice do you have to new leaders? So people that are just taking over their school or maybe even people that maybe they're just finishing their first year as a principal, they're probably really starting their first year next year with hybrid distance learning, it's, it's not, it's still a year, but it's different. Like what advice would you give to those people as they're thinking and as they're planning and as they're having conversations uh, to get ready for that new year? You know, the, I, I believe the length of a principal is about two and a half, 2.7 years. The first year you go, you listen. Second year, you institute a few changes. And the third year, you get your resume ready. And that's sort of the joke between administrators of, of how it goes. And, and I think in order to avoid that, I think instead of staying quiet the first year and working on a few agendas, everything you do should be about school culture. I, I think that's number one. Uh, everything that you can do to give your teachers a stronger voice and building and rebuilding school culture, uh, anything you can do on Twitter to promote the positiveness that goes on in your school to amplify that voice. Uh, I think school culture is what I'd encourage them to work on. And that's also extending into conferences or meeting the right people on Twitter, building your network. Um, I think in that regard, after you build school culture, I think running parallel to that is the hiring process. Too many schools hire late in the year. Too many schools just allow people to apply and you just take what's there. One of the, you know, Eric Burmeister, one of his recommendations early on was whenever you have an applicant pool, make sure you know at least a few people who you've asked to apply. It doesn't mean they're going to get the job, but you want to make sure you have the right people applying. Uh, when I hire, uh, and we're fully staffed for next year already. 
uh, despite having a few openings, I mean, we, we strike early and, you know, right now it's, it's a hard market to acquire teachers. It's like the triple P it's either you, uh, you find a parent in the local community, you pray that they'll come or you poach. And that's the only place you can find them in, uh, find teachers. And we've been very lucky. Uh, we just hired someone from Tennessee, who's going to be a dynamo for us. I, I, she connected with you as well. And, uh, so that, that's another piece is just focus on hiring everything you do. It should be your number, like one B to the culture piece. Um, and that's what new leaders should focus on. And, and then as you gather time, that's when you really delve into your staff and learn who they are, learn what the aspirations are. Does your best teacher want to become an administrator and you're feeling inside, oh, they're going to leave? No, you say, this is great. They're going to become an administrator and you help them and you develop their professional leadership and you grow. I mean, you know, the, the good ones might leave, but if you don't invest in your entire staff and improve them, then that's, that's okay. That you need them to be able to grow and to branch out. Many of the teachers who have left, they come back. So. Yeah, well, dude, you're being super humble because, you know, having been in a place 11 years, you build culture. And I know that people know about your culture within your district or within other districts because you're out there and you've been around and other people talk. And then what happens is it's actually easier for you to hire Todd because people know your culture and they're like, I want to work there because people want to work at a place. I mean, what's that old TV show cheers where everybody knows your name, where you feel comfortable, where you feel uh, celebrated and appreciated and taken care of. So new leaders, veteran leaders, people that want to be a leader, once you build that culture and you take care of your people, people talk about it and it's actually easier to hire in a much better way um, you know, when you have all of that totally dialed in. Um, one thing I wanna to talk to you about is I want you to give advice to other principals that have assistant principals because I've heard from a lot of principals and assistant principals that they don't know how to approach their principal or principals that have assistant principals that aren't sure how to um, manage and really develop their assistant. So that, that's a really good question, Adam, about uh, the principal and assistant principal roles and how to support one another. Uh, when I was an AP, that was my favorite position. Actually, it was the position I was the best at. And that was my hesitancy to apply for a principalship. I, I just love being an assistant principal. You're close to the kids, you connect, you have some say in what happens, but at the same time, it's not sort of your name on the letterhead. So you have some, you know, invisibility, which is nice. I did as an AP uh, throughout the various principles I had, uh, you feel a little frustrated because you feel sometimes your voice and your vision doesn't get to come through. And, and I think that's hard for some. And that's where uh, I, would, I would share with an AP or an AP who's struggling the role or just wants to become an AP or what have you. It is a team and you need to be honest and upfront but at the same time, as you share your opinion with your principal, you, you need to really think it through and understand and trust there's a reason why the principal is making the decisions they do. I think some APs, I've had a few, uh, three in this position, and the ones who listened and worked within sort of my lines uh, made a lot more progress than the one who was a little more combative and you know only lasted for a year, let's say. Um, as a principal, how can you support your AP? Yeah, wait, don't be combative if you're an assistant principal yeah. with your principal. <laughs> you'd, you'd be surprised. 
but I actually invite, I mean, fully combative. You know, don't put on armor and break out swords or anything, but I want to be pushed as a principal. I want feedback and strong feedback. Like this is what I would have done differently. I don't mind having a conversation with my AP as long as I have the ability to say, explain why, tell me why, back up your statement. This is why I do what I did. Does it change your, change your viewpoint and have them be willing to choose their viewpoint. Um, and that's part of being the principal is how you tutor the AP and how you present them. Their goal is that they eventually sort of promote up and out. That's the goal of an assistant principal is temporary. I've seen some APs uh, stay APs forever and they might be the best AP in the world. And that's fantastic if that's their, that's their vision. But as a principal, we, you really want to start with hiring well. Um, I realize it is a district office decision who becomes the AP. But as a principal, you need to speak up, even if you're a first-year principal. I, I haven't always had a say in who becomes the AP. And the best ones we've had are the ones where I have had a say. Mm -hmm. So I, I think that's important to just make sure you have a voice in that process, understand the team game. This is a big thing. Carol Carlson was a principal over at our sister school, Dartmouth Middle School. And she would always, with her teachers, she told me, this is what you do with your staff. And it holds with your AP as well. When there's an angry parent, whatever, on the other side of the table and your teacher's having that meeting and you're in the meeting and the assistant principal's in the meeting having them, and you're there, you always support your staff member. Even if you might disagree with how they approached it, mm -hmm. you can nuance that a little bit in the conversation but you support them and you support the AP as the principal. When the AP, when the parent leaves or the meeting's over, then you can have the hard conversation. Be like, look, you can be blunt. This is not what I would have done. And mm -hmm. this is why. And you show them, would this have worked better? You give them alternatives to sort of viewpoint. And hopefully there, that hard conversation allows them to expand their knowledge and understanding of those conversations. My principal would do it with me uh, and I needed to hear it, all of them along the way. And then obviously as a principal, you want to support your AP and taking that next step if they so choose. Yeah. The best advice, well, the best action that I ever had, I was a 30-year-old brand new assistant principal and I got hired and I was so excited. Huge elementary school, kindergarten through fifth grade, 1,200 students. And I got hired my first day. It was the summertime still. And I told my principal, I said, all right, what should I do? And I'll never forget these words. She said, Adam, go be Adam. And it, there was not a list. There was just, and it was great because I just went out my back door and I started knocking on classroom doors and I would talk to the librarian and I just started building relationships and started finding things to do. And then over time, she would guide me. She would pull me back. She would push me. And it made her job easier because she wasn't managing me or micromanaging me. I was developing myself and it was a large school and it was just the two of us for 1200 kids, which normally there's probably three assistant principals in a middle school if you have a school that big. But she knew that don't hold people back because then they're going to, I think, lead in fear. There might be tentative and you want to model for your teachers what you want them to do with students. And I'll just, I'll just never forget that. And I think it really is good advice because you hire people, let them go do the job. And then you stand in front of them, next to them, behind them. You put their arm around them and mold them, guide them, have conversations as, uh, as they go. It's going to make your job as the principal easier, I think, and more fun and develop their leadership that much faster. Your story reminds me of, uh, it must have been like my third month of being an administrator. Uh, Maggie O'Reilly was the principal of Ralston Middle School and there was a teacher 
who would always leave his classroom with kids in the room. He would come get his mail, a cup of coffee. And, you know, I'm like three months in, this is a huge travesty. Something could happen, blah, blah, blah. And I talked to the principal. She goes, what do you want to do? I go, well, he's right there. Can I talk to him? Sure. Go ahead. The teacher was very veteran. I had a couple years left. And I was like, are you with, like, how are you? Are you supposed to be, like, is, is your classroom, like, your, this is a teaching period? I already knew the answer. Yeah. Are, are there kids in your classroom? Yeah. Are they there alone? I have the teacher next door watching them. Like, but I think, would it be best if the teacher was in the room with them? And conversations were faded from there. The teacher then was so upset that he went to my principal that this new person was calling him out. And he destroyed some of the relationships I was trying to build because all of his friends now knew I was the new admin who was trying to three months in do this. I learned something incredibly valuable in that from my principal at the time is you need to really pick your battles. And I, I think that's a, like very clear to me where a teacher should be, but where's the best way to do it? Like in the moment, follow up. Is that something that the assistant principal should do? Or is that something the principal needs to have happen, especially three months in? So uh, it's that first year as an AP, it's, it's eye-opening, man. Yeah. Eye-opening. But it's just be training, Adam. That's, I, I should use that, actually. Just tell the new AP, <laughs> just be Adam. <laughs> Go be Adam. Adam. Like, yeah, who? That sets the bar high. <laughs> Hey, so I feel, and I have felt this for too long, that we are our own worst enemy. I feel that we have a TMI problem in education, too many initiatives, and we have too many programs and ideas, and they're great ideas, but we can't do them all. And I've worked with hundreds of school districts across the country, and they're trying to do 25, 35, 50 things, and you're going to do them with mediocrity, and you're going to have spending too much money, people are going to be bogged down. So if you, Todd, were talking to superintendents, what would you say to them? What do you say to your superintendent? How do you filter what you feel is sustainable for your school and your teachers and your students and the staff to do? Because, I mean, if you look at it, if, if you took all the programs that, that a district does and you put them in the parking lot, there'd be nowhere to park and you couldn't walk through the mess. So what would you say to the people that are bringing in programs? Um, and I know sometimes they're mandated. It's a hard conversation. It could be a hard conversation to have, but I think we have more control than we give ourselves credit for. What are your thoughts on that? Um, do you have any ideas or solutions? And what would you say to superintendents as they, as they plan the year and think about serving all students? That's, that's a really good question. Um, I think a lot of people would say I'm, I'm a, a teacher's principal. Um, I love the kids. Like I adore the kids, spending time with them, and I, I'm very communicative with the parents. I think I flood them with communication, text messages, phone calls, emails, they, they blogging, uh, everything, weekly newsletters, just everything. And But first and foremost, I think I'm a, a teacher's principal. And part of being a teacher's principal is to be that shield for them when these new initiatives come down the pike. And that's my stance when these get presented. We, they take it slow. They discuss, what about this? Can we do this? And I say, you know, we're already doing this. I don't want to add anything to the teacher's plate. And if we are going to add something to the teacher's plates, what are we taking off? And I, I think teachers, especially, I mean, ignoring the past year of whatever it's been in education prior to that, I think their plates are already full. I think part of the reason teachers are leaving is be, uh, the profession is because of how full the plates are. And part of that is the initiatives where, you know, stuffing their plate with. 
I think we need to take a better look at some of the programs and some of those options that we're presenting to our staff and figure out the goal. And can the goal be done with something we're already doing? Um, I, you know, when you said the word initiative, I can't even think of an initiative we're doing right now on our staff, with our staff. I, I don't, I don't think we need an initiative. A year and a half ago, our, our, you know, the vision for the mission for the school was just say yes. That's what I talked about with the staff was just say yes. Which of course they then when they asked for things, they said just a reminder, this is the year of yes. And so I'd have to say yes to whatever they asked. But, <laughs> but that's my goal. If you have a parent, I always say this: if you have a parent who is crying in their IEP for support for their child. You know, let's just give them what they want. Short of horseback riding lessons in Montana, why can't we uh, provide them with notes? Why can't we allow them to do the test orally? Why can't why can't we just say yes? And I, I that's that was my initiative a year and a half ago, and obviously every year. But the big initiatives, I, I they're so far removed from the classroom. It, it's I would prefer teacher-led initiatives. What do our teachers want to do? Our, my eighth grade English teachers came to me a few years ago and said, we want authors, uh, diverse authors. We realize our law authors are only of one color and we really wanna build a library of diverse authors. I said, okay, send me a list. What do you mean send me a list? Send me a list. So I know, just send me a list of the number. How many you want? Send me a list. Yes, bought them all. Mm -hmm. Like I, I think I just spent $30,000 on textbook or novels for my, my teachers in the past couple of weeks. They sent me a list. I just say yes. It's easy when you can just say yes. Well, and those teacher-led initiatives are yeah. going to be led with so much more fidelity and energy and excitement because it was their idea. And as long as it fits within the school day and the curriculum and the standards and all that, which I've never seen a teacher that doesn't, they want a new garden, like, hey, find money for the garden because they're going to connect it to the curriculum or robots or a diverse library because we should be having those conversations and if you are listening and you haven't then start the conversations but 100 percent, you know and i would say too superintendents please listen to principals because i know when i was working at a district office for two years i feel um, it's really easy to get removed from the school the longer you are away from the school and same for a school leader the farther longer you're away from the classroom the harder it can be to connect so really spend time in classrooms and have conversations like spend time have a no office day where you spend an entire day in in, in classrooms and I know that's something that we did years and years ago with principles in action and like the groups that you and I started running in where we would have little challenges with other principal friends just to to kind of feed off of each other it's um you know it's uh it's just super important Todd if you could have one day one job for one day what would it be and why and if you could have one job for one year what would it be and why it's gonna sound ridiculous but I would love to be uh, a professional napper where I just took naps all day. I, I, that sounds fantastic right now. Four kids at home, two sets of twins, all 10 and under. Just that, that sounds glorious just to have a couple hours, a full day of napping. Oh, I'd catch up on all my shows, you know, that you're trying to binge watch and never can. Um, but really, I, this is my dream job. This, I am happy. I mean, we have a superintendent opening and Obviously, uh, uh, there'll probably be more openings than just office. And parents ask, are you applying? I'm just like, no, like I'm happy. Like I'm legit happy with what you're doing. That's the best part of a job is when you're happy, when it's not work. 
Um, now a, a new job for a year, if it's like off the box, I would love to know how Costco works. Like I would love to go in Costco and just understand how they price things, the shopping experience. I'm just a huge fan of Costco, Adam. Bro, anybody that knows you and follows you, I think on Facebook, you yeah. are you are infamous for posting Costco pictures uh, with your daughters and shopping around. And I've seen those for years, Todd. Yeah. Great time, I tell you. Well, I mean, so you don't funny. have to go to Disney World or anywhere. You just go to your local Costco. It's like the happiest place on earth. Yeah. There you go. Yeah. Hey, what's your favorite leadership book that you've read or leadership book that you recommend other leaders read that has really kind of changed your perspective and, and mindset or, or just really challenged your thinking? It's another good question. Um, aside from the four books you've published, um, probably the, the fifth one on my list would, would be Culturize. Uh, uh, Jimmy Cassis, if I'm saying the name right. Um, it, it just, it was the perfect book for the perfect time in my principalship. Uh, a bit reinvigorating. There's a quote in there that I love to death. I repeat it ad nauseum. Uh, I think my staff is sick of hearing it, but uh, there's a high school principal. Uh, it's his quote, the high school principal's quote. And I, I apologize for not remembering his name, but he says he hires on, on three characteristics, compassion, passion, and knowledge. And in that order. And that, that is exactly my philosophy uh, at our school. I hire compassionate people who have a passion for what they do. Hopefully they have the knowledge. If not, we can teach knowledge. You really can't teach compassion that easily at this age. Um, so that's, that's a book I would recommend. It's a quick re read. Uh, obviously every educational book is, you know, picks pieces. They all overlap in some way these days, mm -hmm. but it's a, it's a pretty good book. Pretty straightforward. Most of the books I read are, uh, uh, fiction, like crime series, the Patterson, Lucas Davenport type stuff. And then obviously a weekly fill of about 30 or 40 comic books just to stay young. <laughs> you read comic books? I love it. Yeah. Back in the day, I got like 10,000 comic books, more graphic novels than your Barnes and Noble. All of it hidden right now from my four children because they'll just destroy them all. But I, I still get them digitally and read a, probably a good like, I don't know, 40, 50 minimum a week. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Hey, yeah, talk about times. mentors. You've, you've name dropped a few people, um, other, other principals, uh, people that I, some of the names that I know and something that we talk about on the podcast a lot and something that I talk about with people that I mentor kind of unofficially throughout the country on how important it is and why it's important to have a mentor. And I, I think people know this, I mean, I know people know this, but I don't know if they really do anything with it. They go, yeah, I need a mentor. I, I am a mentor. But like, why is it so important, Todd Feinberg, for a leader uh, aspiring a new or a veteran to have a mentor in their life? It, it, it's almost a rhetorical question. Uh, you need to have a group of people around supporting you and guiding you. And being an admin, you're in a silo. I mean, you're, you're, you're not living in fear of your district office. I have a great relationship. We have fantastic district, district office, but they're my bosses and I want to be seen in a light. I don't want to show weakness or confusion. And I also, to our, my staff, I need to be the firm consistency and you're left in this little silo of confusion as a leader. Um, and I, I think that's where mentoring comes in. And it doesn't have to be someone older, two of the mentors. I mean, you might laugh, but uh, Fideji and uh, Katina, uh, from way back when. I mean, they were two instigators for my own growth as a principal. Uh, 
And they're both elementary principals up in Petaluma, I believe right now, but their energy and their presentations I witnessed and participated in became friends with, I mean, they are like two of my mentors uh, at that level. And I think one to follow up and build upon the question, as a principal, we have a duty to mentor others. And I think a lot of principals and assistant principals have imposter syndrome. I still feel like they're gonna figure me out and realize I have no idea what I'm doing. And they're gonna be like the emperor has no clothes type of thing. And, and I live in a little bit of fear of that as uh, perhaps as silly or as accurate as that should be. But one thing I do to support other principals, teachers, and I do AMAs on uh, Ask Me Anythings on uh, Reddit. I contacted the subreddit of teachers, the admins, and offered my time. I've done two AMAs where I just say, I'm Principal Todd. I mean, I say, this is where I work. I'm completely open. And teachers pepper me with questions and administrators pepper me with questions. And I just respond to all of them. And it's, you know, uh, a great way. I, I pipe in every so often for teachers that need advice because they're not getting the right advice. Not that my advice is the right advice, but it is advice. And I, I think that just speaks to what you said about being a mentor for others. It, it can be a variety of people all over the country. The internet allows us to have that social media presence where we can connect and to not take advantage of it is almost criminal for one's growth. Yeah, 100%. Uh, it's, uh, it's, it's vital and it's important. Hey, let's talk about connecting with the community. I remember we did a presentation together years ago about connecting. And I remember you blew me away because you told me that you use Nextdoor as a way to connect with families. And I'd never thought of that, never done it. I still haven't done it. But uh, I mean, on a bigger scale, again, something that I know principals know is important and something that myself, I'm always trying to learn and grow with. What is the importance of connecting with community? And what are your top ways that you do connect? Because you talked about, you, earlier you talked about over communicating. So absence of information, people come up with their own narrative, right? You don't want people to do that. So what do you, like, what do you have to say about, about that? I, I mean, there's a few pieces. There's teachers, there's students, there's the district office, there's community at large. And one of the biggest pieces is the parent piece and ensuring your parents feel supported, feel heard, and they're receiving the information. Uh, we live in a K-8 district here. And so there's a high school district as well that kids funnel into. And so we are constantly being compared with how well we communicate with our parents to what their experience at the high school. Um, and it's, it's much better now, but before the new principal came at the high school, there was a, a lot of frustration with the lack of communication. And you can sort of hear from parents what they want to, uh, for communication. So I do join Nextdoor. I just say I live at the school. It's not a lie. I pretty much am here, uh, you know, pull out a cot or something some nights. Um, and anytime there's a post, parents can contact me through there. There is a grandparent who would never have emailed me. Like, and he has two grandchildren who were out of school where they really funnel into the other middle school with their friends, but they live in our side of town kind of thing. And uh, they were slated for our school and they just wanted advice. So I, I gladly DM'd him back and we had a great conversation. Anytime there's any news or confusion, uh, uh, in the community, it's a great place just to be able to address it. I don't want parents at Safeway or Vons or whatever supermarket of choices, wherever y'all are, but I don't want those parents giving off misinformation to other parents because that grows. Like something about misinformation is like a weed in education and it grows and grows. I would rather I flood them with uh, the truth and more updates ahead of time. I do a weekly newsletter, which I've long, long protested, but 
started up this year and it's been a boon to help communicate with parents. I do a sort of a video and one of my children always participate in the video, um, sometimes with haphazard results. And, and that's another piece. I'm on Remind, they can text me day or night and they do take advantage of that, by the way. Um, 3 a.m. texts and I'll wake up and I'll, I'll see it. I'm like, okay, can we wait tomorrow? I'm like, no, I'm gonna answer. They just have little, little easy, simple questions. I would rather they have them answered immediately rather than they marinate in this confusion and uncertainty for an email reply. I'm known for replying in emails like to the minute. It's, it's rare that I hold on to an email for more than an hour or two without a reply, although some I intentionally wait because I really need to have a, a thorough reply. Um, it, it's every little piece you can do in your community. It, it just pays off. Yeah, no, it does. And I've, had, I've, I've given out my cell phone number for years to certain parents and, uh, and people go, really, doesn't that, don't they bug you? And I'm like, no, like nobody, honestly, in my experience, nobody has ever abused it. And again, to your point, I want people to have the information because absent of it, they're not connected. They don't feel like they're connected and they're just not, we're not serving their children, which is, uh, which is why we're here. Uh, Todd, part of this podcast is to amplify the voices of my guests. So dude, I'm gonna pass the microphone over to you, what do you want to say to all the aspiring and assistant principals and leaders out there that listen to this podcast? Wow. Um, wasn't prepared for that question at all. Uh, that's a really good question. I, I think you just, as cliche as this may be, really look for a home. Don't apply for a ton of jobs. Really find ones that you want to be at and, and make your home. I think going to work where you're happy and you feel supportive, it's worth more than a higher salary or you know, a close a job that might be closer. Really try to find your home with a staff where you can grow. If, if you're not growing and constantly learning as a principal or as an admin, it's, it's gonna be a real short journey for you. I, I document your growth as you go, whether it's on Twitter or Facebook or blogging. I'm a huge fan of blogging. I've got I don't know, maybe 50, 60 entries, nothing like what, you know, what some others have, but I refer back to these blogs all the time. Uh, if a parent has a question about dress code, I've got a blog on dress code and how I feel about it. And it allows you sort of to triangulate the whole, the conversation because you can refer something out to them and then you can talk about what you've written. Um, it really peels back the layers too. When I blog about my family and my daughters, my, my, possibly favorite blog article is one about my daughter riding a bike. The short version is uh, my twin daughters have massive special needs uh, adopted from Russia at 18 months. And it's really been a journey, a uh, continual journey with them. And they wanted bikes. Uh, they can't ride a bike. Like they can't, they don't know how to ride a bike. And my wife went ahead and got them bikes for Christmas. And I was tasked with going out with them and I filmed it. And Molly, my Molly, uh, gets on her bike and just starts riding and the joy in her voice and the happiness. And I'm just shell-shocked as how, how can she ride a bike? She never knew how to ride a bike. She never was taught. She, I mean, it, was, it was just amazing. And uh, you share this with parents and my teachers read the blog occasionally. It peels back the principal, you know, statue-esque aura of, we're in this ivory tower and we make decisions that, you know, we have no idea what's going on. And the more we can show we're just like everyone else, just there to help. And we're human too. I, I think it's really powerful. So definitely blog your journey and keep at it. Keep at it, everybody. You weren't ready for that last question, but 
As usual, Todd Feinberg, you crushed it. If you are looking for a teaching job or leadership opportunities and you live in the Bay Area, Todd is already hired up for next year, but keep Union Middle School on your horizon because Todd is a guy that you want to work for. Um, he's been there 11 years. He'll probably be there another 11 years. Um, hopefully, we'll have that statue of Todd Feinberg out in the front of the school, bro. Uh, you're an original from my PLN. I appreciate you, man. Hopefully, we can get together in person uh, and uh, see each other face to face. Everybody listening, thanks for all you do. Keep crushing it. And I hope that you have an absolutely amazing day.